Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of Barstool Backstage. Big interview today, but more importantly, let's talk about the most important thing here. The return of our darling baby boy, Dante in the building. What's up, baby? Hey. What's up, everybody? How what you up? feeling, big guy? <laughs> I'm wondering if I should have video on or off yes. for this. No, no. you already put it out to the world, man, and the world's got your back. We're happy to see you. Cool, it's cool. too bad Dave isn't here because Dave just makes anyone look really, really good. De- yeah. Facts. De- yeah. Independent True. of what's happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, he's he's doing bigger things. He's probably at Cheesecake Factory or somewhere <laughs> right now. He's definitely Can we- not at your restaurant. Can we explain what's going on here? Because what's actually happening is in our group Dave, chat. Dave's a loser. Dante flamed the White Sox Dave in our group chat for not coming to one of his new restaurants. And what your exact quote was, you're probably a fucking Cheesecake Factory or something, you loser. Go go eat at Cheesecake Factory. Has he gone I mean, yet? No, he hasn't been. It's not even that. I don't care that people don't come. It's that every week I see him, he goes out of his way to tell me, like, Dude, I'm coming this week. I'm coming this week. I promise I'm coming this week. And I'm just like, stop telling me. Just go and surprise me. But he insists on telling me he's going. He's been doing this for five months. We've been open since January. Still hasn't been. So I don't give a shit. But last weekend, he's posting pictures from one of the corniest, cheesiest tourist traps in the city. <laughs> like this big spread, like brunch. I was just like, you're such a fucking loser. It's such so a weird just, thing. Like you get people not wanting to like go check out your band or listen to your music, but a fucking restaurant. Like who who doesn't take someone up on that? Right. You're not asking them to go buy tickets to a show. You're like, hey, I'd like to feed oh, you. Yeah. And he's, Dave's like, he's bullying. He's beneath it, anyways. It's way above his. He's like, do they have bratwursts and beer? Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, the no, chicken fingers exactly. were excellent, Dante. Exactly. <laughs> he, he's probably so, the Cinnabon at the airport right now. He's known that we were recording. Said I'd be good for one. He's he's just he's. I'm I'm kind of oh, I'm kind of out on Dave. He's off my list this week. <laughs> Yo, it's not good. just that. He sent me this text last night at like one in the morning. Like I said, I, I finally slept for the first time in like a week last night. I feel amazing today. And I woke up to this text from him, and he's like. Yo, don't blog that White Sox sports radio caller rant. Uh, that guy talks a ton of shit about Portnoy and a bunch of like sexual stuff. I'm like, what? But I messaged him to him, like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, I just didn't know how to handle that. Uh, I mean, he was just being a hater. Like, he didn't want me scooping him on something. So he ended up posting it himself this morning, just throwing it up. Just like, I mean, he's just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that kid. He's off my list. Fucking sick of this shit. Fuck Dave. Thank you. <laughs> oh man, but Dante, we're we're happy to have you back. And then for the Thanks. for the un, for the uninitiated, Dante went through some absolute BS in the past couple of weeks, but he's still here. He's beautiful. He's better looking than ever. I love you. Thanks, my man. Likewise, missed you guys all big time. Thanks for holding it down. I'm really pissed I missed the Johnny Resnick interview. Johnny Resnick on the pod today. Great interview. Me and Johnny did it. I did it from Barstool HQ. Johnny Resnick showed up in the morning, freshly in his cleanest wife beater, and absolutely gave a spectacular interview. Yo, um, by the way, randomly, 
before maybe it's because your phone hears what you're talking about we've been talking about the resnick interview coming up right but like my explore page on insta recently has had so many goo goo dolls like performances and one's from like 1997 acoustic performance on a news show sitting on a couch and you're like these fucking songs are unbelievable unbelievable kenny did you take me up and listen to the first couple records no of course not dude <laughs> dude they're gutter punk records yeah like, you know i think i think i did know that about them i think i have heard them before yeah 100 like, you wouldn't be able to name who the band was if you just listened to them yeah and he was wasn't listening. the front man I was listening to a bunch of the songs from like a boy named Goo, and it was like, even just the guitar progressions and like, and then I was watching some like Mike McCready from Pearl Jam riffs mm. and Stone Gossard <clears throat> riffs, right? And you're like, they just don't write them like they used to, nope. man. Nope. Uh, the the interview was cool from the perspective that I didn't know anything about the Goo Goo Dolls and how long it took them to get on, and the fact that Johnny wasn't the original frontman, and then they switched and. I asked him a great a, a great question in the middle of it where I was like, when you switched from punk to becoming what the Goo Goo Dolls were, did your fans care and did you give a fuck? And he instantly went, I didn't give a fuck. And I was like, yo, this guy is one of us, dude. I love this guy. Yo, spoiler alert. Yeah, come on, everybody. It's coming up shortly. I'll stop spoiling the interview, but it was a really good interview. Shouts out, Johnny. Go check them out on tour. They're with OAR and Fits in the Tantrums this summer. So it's like a, a Barcelona oh, backstage. Oh, boy. Yeah, so big tour coming up this summer. Go see them. They're great live bands, man. Um, Kenny, what are you watching there? What are you watching in the background? Oh, nothing, dude. Fucking. What is it? (laughs) The news. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Well, it's like, I don't. When I come in the, when I get in the studio first thing in the morning, it's like, I like to have something on in the background, but it's like too early for me to decide. Like, what do I want to watch today? I just throw up like YouTube news and all that kind of shit. What news can you even watch anymore? You got old uh, Donnie Lemon's gone and Tucker Carlson's uh, gone. Do you see the Tucker Carlson uh, statement he put out yesterday? Yo, <laughs> okay, we don't talk about politics and I don't want to, but this is just a funny little anecdote. He comes out, of course, like you couldn't, I mean, anybody could have seen this coming. He comes out and he goes, you know, the news is so fucked up. They don't cover the things. They don't tell the truth, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, you did it. You, motherfucker. you did it. That's been exactly. you for 30 years. Yo, can I ask you a question? If Tucker Carlson were to start a band, what kind of band would he start? It would be whatever, like... He would play saxophone. (laughs) Okay, what kind of... You know what it would be? It would be a Dave Matthews cover band because he's the king (laughs) of, like, kids whose dads are rich and wear the same khaki shorts and webbed belt and polo tucked in shirt as their dads. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the Tucker Carlson demographic of music. What What band would Don Lemon start? Don Lemon, which <laughs> he would What's try the most so hard. Self-righteous music. Yeah, he'd be, I got it. I know it. Don Lemon would be Will Smith rap. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yo, I was do your homework and help your parents because they were hard. Because of, you know what I mean. I was listening to a podcast last week and they kept calling him Dong Lemon, <laughs> and I, I can't look at him now and not call him Dong Lemon. Um, but Cucker Cucker Tarlson at a Don Lemon at a Don Lemon party. Oh, dude, I'm putting Cucker Tarlson on my on my band. That was on list. that that was that Chevy song we did. We wrote a whole song about news media. Oh my god, it was, it's still uh, going on awesome. my list. Oh, I got a couple. Did I? I think I've mentioned some of these on the podcast already. Some of my new ones. What you got? 
Uh, I put in robot pussy yesterday. I like robot pussy. I think That's I told one. you guys about non-binary sluts. I like that one, too. Uh, <laughs> 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 Human dog is another good new one. <laughs> we need to make this available to the public so they can pick our side project name. I would be canceled. How about $10,000 coffee table? Oh, that's a good one. God damn it. Topical. It's so stupid because my kids are now starting to crawl. And so my mom had a panic attack and put like a blanket over this glass coffee table. Right. So not from a kid doesn't crack his head open. But then my fucking dogs decided that it was a tabletop they could get on top of. Mm. And I think that that's what happened just now. So you got there's just a, sh- a shredded dog. in the oh, Dude, so stupid. There goes that on a, mu- on a musical note. And did anything follow up harder than Coachella from weekend one to weekend two as far as conversation went? I didn't hear a single anybody talk Guys, about it. Guys, <clears throat> hold on. Weekend one to weekend two. I think <clears throat> from general, just generalness to nothing. I mean, it. It. I've been waiting for it. It seems like it's been years in the making. It seems like it finally did this year. Like people finally paid out the ass to go to it. Yep. And a lot of people went and were like, what was the point of this? Well, Dante, your boy actually put out a statement. Diplo got interviewed yesterday and uh, they asked him about Coachella. And he said, I think it's finally hit the point where it's jumped the shark. Uh, He's like, he said, there's basically no more headliners left. He said, there's no more like big attractive acts like the way that like in 06, it was like the Chili Peppers and somebody else. He's like, those were real acts. They were said, it's basically a top 40 fest now. and People just don't care anymore. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, Diplo, accurate. You, you weirdo. You're right. Yeah, well, fucking su- <laughs> super accurate. And it's, t- I mean, it's like from first weekend having the Frank Ocean blunder to the secret reunion of blink and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of news to be had. And then weekend two is just like, okay, it was, yeah. I mean, so what you're, I guess his, what his point is that there's something about like actual bands or slightly left of center acts that are really big. Cause I mean like bad bunnies, huge. He closed. You saying people just don't really care yeah, as much as they, but it's a radio music, festival at that point. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you so know what I mean? Stupid. Like gorilla should have headlined for the sake of what Coachella was meant to be. Right, right. I think it's, it's also its soul. Yeah, but that's why festivals like Bonnaroo, it still feels less plastic. I think you finally got. I said it last week. Like something didn't feel as plastic last week because of the blink thing. But a festival like Bonnaroo, it still feels like a music festival, not as much of a photo op, is going to continue to thrive. But I don't. Th- as long as Coachella has the name brand there, people are always going to go to take pictures and shit. But as far as an actual functioning music festival, I just don't think it attracts the same way it used to. I. It is what it is. But the I'm just saying about Coachella. Can you imagine being the organizers because it's so like trend based? You're constantly having to like keep up with that. Whereas a Bonnaroo or like a, a music festival, it's just like, yeah, we just book good musicians yep. and artists. That kind of does it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like you bought Bad Bunny and Blackpink were two of the big headliners. And I just don't like, I couldn't picture going to a festival and being like, I can't wait to watch this K pop group. Like no slight to them. I'm just saying, like, is, does that translate to a giant festival audience where you also have like Blink and Frank mm. Ocean? Like, I don't know. Like, is it good for optics and is it good for live streams where people are gonna watch it? Yeah, but as far as the in-person product, I, like, I don't know. If and I think gonna, it's like... become so much more of um. Anybody who tours knows that places like New York and LA are hard to play because they're such industry cities, right? So most mm-hmm. everybody's an industry person in the crowd like this, right, with their arms folded. And I feel like <laughs> just over the decades of Coachella, it's become such an influencer, industry-riddled 
PR thing. You know what I mean? Like it's just so much more business than, you know, just a fucking good festival. Yeah, it's corny. We all know that. We've been saying that for years, but I don't know. Like just between the two weekends after the Frank thing, I didn't even watch the Blink performance, the second weekend Blink performance headline. Did anybody catch it? No, I saw enough clips from the first one. I got it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I did. It, I it, it just didn't interest me, and I I I I just the, the thing I wanted to kind of comment on there was like, did it need two weekends? Like, if you would have kept it the first weekend, that would have been a great like, you know, well, like I mean, isn't the original idea of the two weekends is that like you had two different sets of people would go like it was such a big festival they needed two weekends to fill it up but now that you stream everything like there's no point in two weekends unless like blink did a completely different set but imagining they didn't no they really change it up too much yeah that would piss me off so bad if i saw somebody the weekend before or watched the live stream dude far be it for me to ever defend blink 182 (laughs) but but, i mean what are they gonna do like dude like like, I, I, i don't have a problem with bands playing the same set like Okay, uh, here's the one thing. I saw that on Weekend 2, Gorillaz brought out uh, Dell, which was... They brought out Dell the Funky Homo Sapien? They brought out fucking Dell, dude, Yo! which is the first time I had seen Dell perform with Gorillaz in a long time. I was going to say, they buried the hatchet? Finally, someone got me. You're like, yo, yes, motherfucker. You know? Brought out Thundercat. Like that's that's really the headliner set to me. If you're talking about an actual music festival, that's what I was saying. Is that yeah. like like Gorilla should have fucking headlined? I'm sure Damon thinks that in his own head. <laughs> God Almighty. Um, I wanted to talk to Dante about a blog that you wrote about Ed Sheeran getting sued by the estate of Marvin Gaye, joining the cavalcade of other people who've been sued by Marvin Gaye's estate. What happened? Mess with the bull, got the horns. Um, Did he lose? Obviously, I mean he's going to, but um, he shouldn't. He yeah. shouldn't. I mean, he it it's a chord progression, super common. Uh, it's not like he, you know, pulled a Pharrell and Robin Thicke, which was kind of blatant. Yeah. Um, but that case, that Robin Thicke case kind of set the precedent for a lot of these copyright cases, you know, $5 million, a lot of money, um, kind of put blood in the water for these attorneys and these estates. And you got to remember these, these Motown estates, I mean, those guys didn't make any money back in the day. Um, they're still not making money on these these royalty deals they have. So a chance to, you know, land a settlement in a case like this, or even uh, settle before it goes to trial, it's huge payday for them. So it makes sense why they would would pursue it. So I just did the sitting here. Johnny, you got your keys, right? No, not today. Kenny can do it. Kenny. What you need, baby? Do me a favor. Play this chord progression. D major. Hold on. G, G flat. Uh, or F sharp. G. A. Oh. Okay, weird. so let, let's talk about this. The two songs I'm assuming are Let's Get It On and Thinking Out Loud, right? Those are the two songs that were in the lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. You know it's what's funny? Same, I saw the uh, Ed Sheeran. It is the same chord progression, but can you fucking really call that? Dude, listen, dude, if, that, that, it's it's, it's it's idiotic. You cannot. Yes. 
But that's yeah. the thing, like the Sam Smith, Tom Petty thing, and blah blah blah. Like they have to go. There's 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 a um there's a bar. I forget what. It, there's an actual bar of like it has to be six or seven melodic notes in a row. Like there's a a bar, and then this whole Sam Smith. Tom Petty thing was like based on a three chord progression when you're like a three chord progression three and I do love I saw that Ed Sheeran like told the judge something it was in an article and he was like I'd have to no, be he, mad to well no yeah I mean he said on the stand he yeah. said I would have to be an idiot yeah to do this and then but this is where I think this this stems from is he got caught at a concert on tape performing Let's get it on uh, into uh, into his song. It didn't go viral online, but I guarantee you his, you know, ambulance chasing lawyer, Crump, saw it and said, oh, here we go. Here's here's the case right here. Open and shut. All we do is show this to him and he'll settle. To Sheeran's credit, he's fighting back and he's saying something that I've kind of like wondered myself for a while. But at what point do we just stop running out of ideas like musically and admit that everything is going to start to sound something like something that's already been created or recycled or even I've, just inspired by something else and I've not had, that everything has to be unique and original. I've had this conversation with a bunch of different people. My, my mentor, Jimmy Messer used to always tell me there's only 11 notes in the musical language, baby it just is what it is. But then on the flip side, how many hundreds of years have humans been making music? And like, there's only been so many, you know, I'm just, it's, it's an interesting flip flop. Well, I mean, you know, maybe this is like, uh, like uh, sit around and, get high discussion but do you like think since humans have been making music till now every single sound and arrangement and accompaniment has been discovered like there's no other rocks to well, turn am think, i wrong i know i think a lot of i think a lot of the reason why music is still relatively different from song to song these days is because of presentation mm. Right, because um, for like, let's just go back to 2010 when dubstep came out, right? Mm. And then you talk about like the indie alternative electronic scene, and then blah blah blah, like, and which are still the same progressions, just presented so differently. Um, you know, and there's a lot of times in the studio, I think we all know this, where like we'll be working with somebody on something, and they're like, "Oh my god, you know what that is?" And you're like, "Fuck!" You know, yes. it happens. You can ask any songwriter in any song that they're making, and they can tell you what they stole from. I wrote yeah. a song that was basically a ripoff of Ooh La La by Faces, mm. and then didn't realize it until Lost Boy Crow, who's, our, who's on here, oh. he goes, oh, that's Faces. I go, fuck, it is. In the trash it went. I showed you guys it, a song before we started. It comes down to how much money they make, dude. Thank because you. Yeah. There's, I mean, computers now are actually proving that things sound more and more similar now melodically harmonically like the music is starting to actually sound more and more like just objectively speaking so it comes down now to some humans theoretically as lawyers or judges making a decision about who gets paid and then because beyond that like mathematically like there's there's a billion lawsuits that should be happening of songs that sound the same but there's not enough money involved when you have a massive song, song like Every blues song ever created could be a lawsuit. Do you know what I mean? Right. Robert Johnson's estate could sue everybody. 
but it's, he's not gonna. Yeah, look, I mean, this is all gonna change very soon because of like AI and all this shit. Like, the, you have to change the idea of what copyright means. Like, it's the, the laws are outdated. How long it lasts? What's possible? Well, I think and what's the, on the flip side of it, there was a, that that duo that tried to put out an album or a collection of albums with every known combination of melodies, so they could just copyright every melody ever will be made and it got thrown out as an idea because like we still have to have some kind of like human decency we can't do you know, like yeah do you know who just put out an album with every single melody ever created mac demarco mac demarco just released a 200 song album <laughs> did anybody listen to this I the fuck would I listen songs. to a 200 song album? <laughs> me and Johnny were listening to it when we were waiting for Johnny Resnick to come in the waiting room yesterday. Johnny, what were the names of the songs? It was like They're just it's basically just the dates that he had like little ideas. And like, listen, the my first reaction is to be like, "Fuck this, this is annoying," which I think I accept that reaction. It's a correct reaction. And my second reaction is, "Why didn't I do this?" Because <laughs> yeah. it's like he got me to go and listen to it. I've never really listened to Mac DeMarco. I'm not even, again, I feel like I have to fucking preface this on everything I say. I'm not a hater of that. I just haven't, it never really gotten into him. But I went and checked it out because it's a little spectacle, you know, like it's a little gimmick. Like, let's go check out two your songs. I mean, I skipped through them. It was like, okay, cool. And then well, me and Johnny were laughing thing. because the one song is called Fuck It, Just Put It Out. The other one is like called Bullshit. Like, oh, it's just like ra randomly what he labeled it in his in his hard no, drive. No, he just, that was me saying what the song should oh, be Oh, I thought that was real. No, no, no. It's like, that's effectively what he said. Because no one, no one actually puts out 200 songs and thinks, I think I need the world to hear this. Mm, no, yeah. you don't. Fuck it, it's just very put it out. It's very narcissistic <laughs> to think that song the world needs three. to hear. Song number yeah. three, straight to the blogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, I, I, as far as like the conversation about all this goes, there was an article that came out that was like from broke to rich. Marvin Gaye's estate had like has basically come up off of this. It's their new strategy is to find everything that it was influenced by Marvin Gaye, and that's how the estate's making money. And that's lame. And it's also really lame that for as prolific and amazing and historically important as Marvin Gaye is, that his monetary situation post his death was so bad they had to go out and start suing people. That's corny. And I think yeah, it's Yeah, but not addressing like the real issue. The real issue is that there was probably fucked up contracts like yep. there are through the history, particularly in the Motown world. It's like address that. Go sue those labels like retroactively for being dicks. You know, like don't – again – who Ed Sheeran will be fine, like, even if he lost all of the money from that, he'd be fine. But you know, like, don't set a bad precedent in terms of a song that kind of sounds similar to another being sued. There's you something know? so incredibly narcissistic about thinking that you invented a D G flat G A progression. No, but I mean Bach invented all of those. You know, if you, I think it was through, the good. He pretty much covered every modern chord progression that you can have in that realm. And the good Lord Jesus Christ himself could sue him because it all comes from Jesus, Johnny. What Don't kind of music that. do you think Jesus listened to? Or if Jesus was came back today, what kind of music do you think he would like? New metal. I think he'd be really <laughs> Progressive into new metal. metal. That'd be so yeah. sick. He'd have like a Jenko's robe. I could see him with like an eyebrow piercing and a monster energy drink on a half pipe, ripping some like He'd be beard. such a libtard. Oh, Not man, Christian yeah. rock. No, I well, Christian have rock. I told is, this story. This is what Christian Jesus rock. This is what Jesus would say. This is a fair estimation, I think. This is a Creed? Sufi. <laughs> yeah. this is a sufi story there's a guy who wants to jo join a temple and he says i want to take part in your feasting and dancing festivals 
And the teacher says to him, well, first, I want you to go for a four-day fast, eat nothing for four days. At the end of the fast, prepare yourself a beautiful meal. And if you'd rather come dance and sing, then you can come dance and sing. And I think that's what Jesus would say about music now. There's too much of it. Everyone needs a bit of silence in their life. And then he would zap everyone with his Jesus magic. And, and then, then he would take his mic and drop it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I picture him being like a big POD guy, like maybe early corn records. Did I ever tell no. you my POD story? Yeah, they, they thought you were Mexican. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's such a random story, but like those ho- like when bands play festivals, a lot of times all the people on fly trips right like if they're not on a bus they're all staying at the same hotel because the promoter puts them so the lobbies become a big fucking party and oh my god i had such a good time drinking with those guys and never corrected them they just thought i was mexican the whole time i wouldn't correct them i would have just been screaming youth of a nation in their face i would have been blacked out youth of anasia yeah oh man such a good song dude i love that fucking song my friend meg uh in denver got kicked out of a pod concert for being too fucked up you know how low in your life you have to be to get kicked out of a pod concert being too drunk (laughs) You're getting escorted out by the cops during Youth of a Nation. You I wish I knew how is? to play a POD song on piano right now. It'd be so sick. Is is I'm so alive by them? Uh, yeah, I feel so. I want that song to be played at my funeral, just for the <laughs> irony. <laughs> That's my plan. And I want to, my mom's just crying in the pew. My wife is heartbroken, but I'm still getting one last joke in off the of, pew. That's a Christian yeah. boy. Yeah, then I'm just getting one last joke off of in the like. Dressed up in fucking full, like a no fear t-shirt <laughs> and Jenkos with POD playing. And then they throw me in the ocean. That's my plan for my funeral. But we'll get into that later. Um, all right. Let's go into the Johnny Resnick interview. We'll come out. We'll do on list off the list. We'll curse White Sox Dave's name. And then we'll get out of here. So this is our interview with John Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Barstool backstage and on the guest list this week, we have singer, songwriter, leader of the Goo Goo Dolls, and pride of Buffalo, New York, Mr. Johnny Resnick. Johnny, how are you, buddy? I'm I'm good, man. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Buffalo, first off, I can't think, like, I think of Griselda, I think of Benny the Butcher, and I think of Goo Goo Dolls. So, what you yeah. Know? Well, you know, it's becoming a... A hotbed of the arts. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Words I never really thought I'd hear is Buffalo, New York is a hotbed of the arts. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting because it's like it is a great city for musicians and artists and things like that because it's cheap. Yep. It got cheap beer and cheap food, cheap rent. It's like and that's how you that's how you bring creative people into uh, a city. You know? I feel like you've also got that like everyone has to go through Buffalo on the way to Canada or back. It's like. When yeah. you get those transitional cities, you get something like there's a certain energy that starts to come about in them, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was interesting because it was such such an industrial town, serious, heavy industry forever. And when when I was a kid, it just just disappeared. So for the last 30, 35 years, it's, you know, it's 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 been slowly rebuilding itself. And there's been a, you know, just this resurgence of, of uh, small businesses and entrepreneurial types and all that it's 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 cool it's a great so you take this you take a blue collar work ethic you know where mm-hmm. you'll come in early and stay late yeah. seven days a week and apply that to something creative it's like you know you're going to get some pretty amazing results i think but it worked out so would you say that informed your music growing I up think, there I, I think growing up in a, in a blue collar house in a blue collar city um you know, has definitely 
uh, yeah, it's it's informed my music. It's informed my life. It's like you know, uh, I was also brought up Catholic, so it's like you know, everybody's a Democrat, everyone's a Catholic, everyone's you know, it's like yeah, you know, it sounds a lot like Philadelphia a, to me. To be completely honest, it's exactly how yeah, I grew up. Yeah, it's exactly exactly the same thing, and that and you know, these people work hard and and you know they stick together nothing brings a musician really together like hard work and some catholic guilt i really think that's like the recipe uh, right there that's how i live yeah. my life Need some angst yeah why not man that's how we write our records but you know what's yeah. funny we're gonna get into what you guys have going on now and the tour you're going on with our friend mark roberge and oar this summer but yeah. this is a podcast for musicians and kind of like by musicians and we like the stories of people who came up and had to work for it in different things and i don't know why i i think it's me and johnny were joking about this but by the time I was really coming into music and finding things out, you guys were already dizzy up. The girl had already been out, and I knew the hits. I hadn't come until today to realize you guys had to cut your teeth, and you guys had a journey prior to really making it big. And I also didn't oh, realize yeah. the first couple records were basically punk records. Well, yeah, they were. Yeah, because you know we were, you know, we were twenty, I think, or whatever, and and uh, you know our biggest heroes were like, you know, the replacements and. Um, the Buzzcocks and, um, you know, just stuff like that. And then some glam rock and that kind of thing. But, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, in those days, back in the old days before the Internet, you know, <laughs> you used to have to, you know, they had uh, these things called fanzines, which were just, you know, right. people would people would just, uh, I guess they would call it self-publishing now. But, you know, you'd go, like, in Milwaukee, there was, uh, you know, a fanzine about the Milwaukee underground scene and they but and they would have interviews you do interviews and you would do it you know on a piece of paper and you'd mail it to them and uh and that's how people got got their information about what was going on in 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 the underground sort of the punk type scene um because up until up until like uh 120 minutes on mtv or that it didn't really wasn't really accepted in that thing but that was our thing. We were we were just young guys, so so that's what young that's what young boys do. They play punk rock. They do, and then they and then they figure out there's no girls in the audience. <laughs> what and, was uh, well, what was the songs. what was the impetus behind the switch? And I like I have my notes here. I wrote, did your fans get pissed when you guys really figured out your sound and went to more of what became the Goo Goo Dolls sound? And did you give a fuck? <laughs> I didn't give a fuck, a. <laughs> and, and B, B, it was uh, it was a natural kind of progression. It's like it's like, what am I supposed to play? The am I supposed to write the same record over and over and over mm. again? You know, I mean, it's like, I mean, human beings just change. You grow yeah. and you change in your your body of knowledge. I mean, you have your you're always working from your current level of awareness about yourself and about the world. So it's like. If um, if this is where I'm at, and I happen to be writing a ballad, or, or you know, writing some sort of just straight rock song or whatever, I don't know. Dude, you gotta, that, it's got to be honest with it, you know yes. what I mean? In that sense, when when you write a monster like Iris, did that free you up to think? Now, like you, when you, it's almost like this is kind of a crass question, but when you've like written a song that kind of pays the bills for the rest of your life does it free you up to not be worried about that or does it add more pressure now that you've kind of had this giant taste of success 
Um, sometimes I sometimes I think that that song got bigger than the band. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So mm -hmm. it, so in for that during that arc of that period, the God, you know it's it, it's difficult because I remember Robbie and I sitting there. We were like, and the producer's like, yeah, we're going to put strings on this. And I was sort of like, okay, so I had this kind of idea for a string part or whatever. And then, and then um, he and I had to look at each other and go, all right, we're, we're turning a corner here. Yeah. And it's like, there ain't no going back. So, so we're either going to do this or not. So, mm -hmm. and then they started playing and it was like, it was like, holy shit, I can't believe that we actually, came up with this so um and then we we just kind of said to each other eh, fuck it you know <laughs> let's just let's just do it you know because um you know the song i i mean i wrote that song specifically for for a, a movie so it was kind of it was kind of like i didn't necessarily have to apply the same rules of goo goo doll world Right. Uh, into the songwriting process. But then it, I mean, it, and it was a bit of shock therapy because, you know, as, as much as people love that song, there was, there was, there was, uh, it cast a pretty long shadow. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of gnarly shit going on inside that shadow, mm. you know? Um, but, you know, it's like, you know, we just always sort of just keep, keep soldiering on, you know, that's, that's it. And it's like, you know, 20, something years later, 25 years later, something like that. It is interesting know. to hear you say you were having kind of an internal battle within the recording process of saying like, if we fucking put these strings on this song and we go this route, there is no turning back. Like, did you yeah. ever have a moment in the studio where you're like, I don't know, is this me? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you know what? I, like, I love that song. Yeah. And I, and I'm grateful for that, that song. So it's like, came out of me i wasn't i was i was trying to I was trying to 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 support the vision of of someone else right you know with that song it's like right you know and i love when music takes a supporting role mm. in in something just because i'm i'm a lazy person <laughs> and i already have my subject matter in front of me so i can so i can write about that you know yeah do you feel like there's almost a kind of uh freeing element that you can remove a bit of ego from it when you're writing for something else like you're saying writing for film like it has to serve the film or it has to serve whatever yeah. else you're writing for not necessarily like your idea of yourself at any given moment or day yeah i mean i like that mm. you know it's it's um you know i've had a lot of you know i've done a lot of work in films and stuff for tv and all that kind of thing and you get rejected too and 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 that's humbling and that's good for you mm -hmm. um you know, but yeah, <clears throat> there's there's a a little bit of ego that 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 you have to remove from the equation. But at the end of the day, it's still you. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, I've never sat down and said, okay, I have to write a song like this guy or that guy, or or I have to pretend to be this, right? You know, um, you know, it's just like I sit and I play and and when something feels right to me, then I'm like, I'll chase it down the rabbit hole and it comes out the other side. And you guys know this, Yeah, you're writing. I hear it in my head, but somehow the translation through all the gears in my brain and then out to my hands, right. It's become something completely different. 
all art is realistically is a battle of taking what's inside your head and trying to put it on wax. That's really all it is. Yeah. I mean, like actually trying to trying to get what's in your head out as <laughs> close to what you envision. And, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's good sometimes that it doesn't work that way because it's like, you know, I, I always think about like, um, like those old, like Rolling Stones records, old Beatles records where they were just playing, you know, Chuck Berry covers, whatever, yeah. you know, and, uh, or, and then, or, and the way it just sort of got wound up in their, in their little white English brains yep. and then got, <laughs> got spit out in a different way. You know, I mean, we we're always, uh, digesting information and, and reinterpreting it out into the world. I mean, it even makes me think of like, when you bring up the Rolling Stones, thinking about like exile on, on main street or like, I don't know, like the basement tapes of Bob Dylan and the band bands that actually went in there and just recorded blatantly, whatever the fuck was coming out. And it wasn't like that thought out. And then you come out with these classic records and you think about us trying to sit in the studio and being like, this has to be the perfect interpretation of what I'm doing. Like sometimes it just is what it is. It sometimes it is what it is. And it's like, sometimes those are the ones that surprise you, mm. you know, they surprise you because, you know, um, they take on a life of their own. And, and, and that's, that's when you get into flow like that, where it's just like, well, am I leading this song or is it starting to lead me yeah. down some kind of a path? And you know, it doesn't happen often. It's like, you know, um, you know, people like to romanticize this whole thing about, about, um, you know, inspiration and like, oh yeah, you're in this, you know, and you have this revelation and a white light moment and then the pop the song comes <laughs> out. It's like I think that happens more when you're young. Yep. When you're when you're young and starting out because you're naive and um and fearless in a lot of ways. And um as you get older, um I believe at least in my own case, you know, I mean it's like in one sense, you become more confident and more proficient at what you do. Um, you become a better craftsman um, at what I, I have become a better craftsman at what I do. You know, the inspiration is something that needs to be looked out for more. I think it's like, it's like if I hear something in my head, I got to get it into the little recorder on my phone yep, as quickly right. as, as quickly as possible. Otherwise, that idea is going to be gone. And then, you know. Nine times out of ten, it's like, oh shit, that's another song, or ah, oh, that sucks. But you know, it's just it's like trying to capture something the the immediacy of that 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 one little idea, and that little idea can really um, make a big difference. I mean, I mean, as far as like the quality of the material that you're putting out. Well, I've heard an idea that always always having an analogy of always having film in your camera. Like, yeah. because you never know when that moment's going to be, but you have to be ready. The, the mechanics and the, the craft, like you're saying, has to be ready to capture those fleeting moments. Yeah. You know, and I, I you know, and I still like to sit up late at night and uh, play my guitar sitting on the sofa after everyone in the house is in bed. You know, those, those are good moments. Those are good. Those are good times to just like, if you, if I just sit there and just play and have no expectations, mm. You know, and yeah. just like, well, I'm gonna just play this because it feels good to play it. And you just keep going and going and going. Eventually, my mind will wander onto something, you know, and then and boom, you got to record it right away. As you found more success, right? Like you guys, you guys put out two humongous records back to back. 
did you find that start to slip away a little bit of the the kind of natural progression of things and then you felt an expectation to where it's like i have to pump out another hit um well i mean i've been doing this an awful long time yeah so and i've had hits and i have not had hits and it's better to have hits but, <laughs> i can't um, wait to find out know, that <laughs> i can't wait till i find out that process of actually having hits. Know, it's gonna be great it it's uh you know it's one of those things it's sort of like you weigh those things in your mind but then it's like at the end of ultimately it's like you're your first audience yep. i am my first audience and and the really the only question that i gotta ask myself is do i like this do i feel good about this yeah yeah okay all right well then we move on from there right but you know i mean a lot of things now especially it's like music is very Music is very similar. I think a lot of music is very similar and sounding. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think uh, people are sort of painting themselves into boxes more because the music industry has changed so much. Mm. There's a lot of people using music to launch their brand. And it's almost like because of streaming, it's kind of like the music almost becomes a loss leader. Yes. Right which is very disheartening to someone who spent their whole life writing songs. We, and now, we, we have know, this conversation gotta, all the time about music is more of a commodity now than it is an actual art form. It's yeah, fucking it's, it's nuts. An accessory. It's yeah. an accessory. It's becoming an accessory for influencers. Ugh. Ugh. I've lately been taking the optimistic Ugh. side is that no matter how much that is happening, like it, that's undeniable what you guys are saying. I think artistry and a good song has something magical still to it and it's still gonna rise dis despite You're the wrong. deluge of absolute shit yeah. <laughs> well, i mean it, it, it'll rise it'll rise but it doesn't it doesn't mean it's it does that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be commercially successful that's so, true oh, yeah of course you know what but, i mean I, I don't think you're counting that in in your equation i don't believe you are but um but yeah i mean it's like I always I just joke around about it. I'm like, hey, check out my new hit song. And it's like a recording on a phone, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a hit. This is gonna be a hit. Sounds like a hit to me. Does I mean, you know, I've written a million hits, you know, and like but I haven't. But and then they come out and then they, they totally <laughs> take uh. a shit. It's just it's nice to hear somebody else verbalize what we talk about all the time is it's just like it's it's been more of a conversation on the podcast recently, just of like, what is a song anymore? Like, is it actually worth anything, or is it just about what other people can either create to it or make off of it? It's 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 a nihilistic way to look at things, but yeah, fuck, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, I I was I was reading an article yesterday about I I I had never even thought about this before, but it's like these the AI thing oh, where it's. I, of course, it's on everybody because because everybody is shitting themselves right now. Yeah. Because it's like, well, it's like musicians know. finally feel like blacksmiths and we're like, we're so used to being like special and like revered. And it's like maybe not so much all of us, you know? We could take our yeah. jobs, dude. <laughs> it's kind of the deal. I was, and then I was reading an article about how all the voiceover actors, they're like, that's all going to go away because of AI. And, you know, I mean, not that that's some huge, you know, section of the population, but, you know, it's like, I just, what I don't understand is why 
why there is such an enormous rush to to make human beings obsolete, to make human to make human expression obsolete. It's like all we're going to have is just cheap facsimiles of 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 what people's real emotions are. I mean, none of us know when you hit that line, when you just are sitting there writing and then you're like, holy crap, I got the perfect line. Yep. It's like and and you and you pull it out of yourself and you're like you're like oh damn yes that was well, amazing it's such a good feeling yeah well, I was listening amazing. this morning to uh, the song off your last record yeah I like you and there's a line that stuck out to me and may I'm not sure this is related at all to what we're talking about now when you wrote it but I could see it there's the line says just give me thrills so the truth don't creep in. And yeah. I wonder if we could kind of retroactively relate that to our conversation here is that perhaps that's what's going on is that there is this sense that everyone is trying to just fill fill the yeah. noise and space to keep out, you know, the harsh reality of what's necessary for some form of self-work and uh, uh, identifying and addressing the truth. Is that am I on yeah. <laughs> in the ballpark or? Yeah, I mean, well, it's like, you know, we we are constantly bombarded now with uh shiny objects that are moving very quickly yep mm -hmm. and, and and um and that was really brilliant the way you said that i, I really love that the way you clip said that, that clip that Colin, we'll clip please. that yeah. johnny's here johnny is here need to write that down <laughs> johnny congos is here to somehow make us seem intelligent that's why he's here he sounds he sounds very intelligent. I'm AI, guys. <laughs> yeah, AI. That, that, this has been the crux of the whole thing. Yeah, he's an AI facsimile. Um, John, so on the one human element that we can still attest to is the fact that you're going out on tour this year. You have a long tour mm -hmm. scheduled with friends of the yeah. program OAR, and you're going Ooh. out with Fits in the Tantrums, another friend of the program yeah. as well. Um, yeah. How's that feel, being able to get back after COVID and kind of separate yourself from the more mechanical side of things to getting out there and actually doing what you do? Yeah, um, you know what? Nothing. I don't see anything being able to disrupt that. Yeah. Uh, technology being able to disrupt live music um, in the sense that um, during the pandemic, everybody was trying to figure out a way to to make money touring mm -hmm. virtually or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it was just a monumental flop and a disaster. Didn't work. Because, like human beings at at the at the at the their most basic core are pack animals. Yep. And they right. and we like to get in rooms that are hot and sweaty and listen to live music. There's nothing like it. I went to I went to a I went to a concert with a friend of mine in, in New York uh, a couple of weeks ago. Or maybe just been like a week ago. Even I can't even remember. I don't know. We went sub. Uh, we went and saw Depeche Mode at oh, Madison yeah. Square Garden, and it was like now go to shows. You know, I just never go because I'm just like ah, I don't need to see this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I've become so jaded about the whole thing. I'm just like you know because and I go to a show because you know I do this for a living. I'm like looking at the lights. Like oh, I wonder how I wonder how much that costs. Yeah, you know, and like the magic is gone, but. But Depeche Mode is is obviously an amazing band. And they were amazing, and and got I got caught up in it, and it was and it was like wow, I'm part of something bigger than me, and it's like and it is it's a human experience, it's a visceral experience. I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at a 60 year old person 
that I'm looking at a, an 18 year old person. Yep. And and it's like that music provoked emotion in those people. And I was watching these people. And that's something that technology is never going to recreate. Well, yeah, it's like right now, I was talking about this the other day with my brothers. Um, AI is learning from the digital expressions of us right now. So it's not, it's not learning like what you're saying, being at a concert yet. It's seeing interactions by the billions on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. It's not yet able to observe, understand, and then replicate or synthesize right. the true human experience of, uh, in a physical and an emotional sense. Yeah, you need, to, you, you need to write the whole book right now yeah you need to to read the book because because that you hit it on the head it's like it's like what is this it's an algorithm it's an amalgamation of all this random information and it's just like the things that don't that can't be done by ai are are like your every experience you've had in your life leads you to who you are now the Mm -hmm. way you view the world the way you express yourself everything I don't, and I, I, I think you're right. There's no, there's no human spark. I think you know? what it is is right now. I mean, this is probably true for most humans, unfortunately. But most uh, of what is described as the truth by an algorithm is a, a sense of uh, consensus. And these are not my words. My brother actually said these, so I should give him credit. He was talking about this idea that AI is gathering consensus. Okay, so yeah. like 150 people think this, but throughout history, when you look at the the great pillars of humanity. It's never been consensus. It's been no. some spark of magic and a true individual thought or emotion. And yeah. that's, that's the magical thing, I think, that yeah, hopefully, knock wood, we've got a long way to go before that's <laughs> taken away from us. Well, know? hopefully yeah. they, don't, they don't cut the spark before you guys get out on tour or release <laughs> yeah. more music because we got an early yeah. listen to you and OAR doing Tom Petty. You did I Won't Back Down, and that drops later this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be right before the tour. Why that know. song? Because it's a friggin' great song. That's a great and answer. Because <laughs> it's a friggin' great song. Mark and I, we had fun doing it, and it's just like Tom Petty is become my favorite favorite song. Right? Yeah, dude. You know, and it's like, like you and I. I love the arc of his career and and the way he just. You know, there he went through all these changes, and it was like really interesting. It was the stuff he did, the early stuff, then the stuff he did with Dave Stewart, which yep. was bordering on like new wave or something. You know, there was a lot of electronic stuff going on in there, and that. And then the stuff, you know, and then the stuff he did with Jeff Lynne, which is like super polished, but amazing songwriting, just amazing songwriting. And then he goes to Rick Rubin and does and Wildflowers. And then, yeah, and then Rick Rubin, you know, does whatever Rick Rubin does. Right. I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then uh, I'm, he, Rick Rubin is like crypto and AI. I just fucking don't get it. <laughs> we just fucked your whole day up with this entire AI conversation, bro. Oh, it's okay. Man. I mean, it doesn't mean it's not valuable or valid or whatever, but I just don't get it. I don't get it either. And Johnny loves it. And I, he doesn't love it, but well, I, AI, no, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm literally sitting on the fence about, it. I think it's inevitable. You have to be involved. Like we can't stop certain aspects of it. And then part of me is like, fuck this shit. Give me a, like an accordion or a mandolin and like keep mm-hmm. all the computers away from me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I go, I go through that too, but then you know what? I, 
what I do, I mean, but, I mean, there are great uses for technology in that. And then, you know, people are saying, well, the positive side of AI is that, is that uh, you know, it could probably um, help to cure cancer and all that kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, but it, it can also generate, like, what is going to be admissible evidence in court? Is a recording of someone saying, <laughs> oh, I'm going to kill you. And, that, you know, is that going to be admissible? How are we going to prove that it was the actual person and not not a computer generated voice? My bra- my, I mean, that's one of the biggest problems that they're working on now is basically like proof of humanity. Verification. How do you, yeah, how do you prove right. that? But they put they're putting the chatbots out before that. I need yeah, no, proof. I need proof of humanity before I order Grubhub. You know what I mean? I got to check a box yeah. and make sure I know what a right. bus looks like before I can order Grubhub. But John, we've right. t- John, we've took up enough of your time, man. Uh, when does the tour start? Uh, when where's it hitting? Where where can people get tickets? It's going everywhere. We're starting. Uh, I don't know when we're starting. The end of June. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to the UK. And I think like July. What's our What's our first? Hold on. One, I'm, I'm <laughs> hold on. Hold on. My the director is uh, telling me here. July twenty third. Where? Oh, Florida. Well, That's, we could narrow it down. I guarantee you, I'll be out in Philly. Uh, I was with Mark last year when he came to Philly. So, uh, Mark wanted me to tell you he loves you uh, and he can't wait for the I, tour. I love him back. Tell uh, him I love him too. We're John, gonna do push-ups every morning. There you go. I'll be there too, bro. You won't even know it's me. I'll just be behind the bus doing push-ups. Uh, Johnny Resnick, your seat's always open, brother. Let's do this again soon. All right. Absolutely, I would love that. You guys. All right, man. Thank you have you a great so day. Much. All right. Great to Take talk care. with you, man. Thanks, brother. Thank you, Johnny. Bye. All right, so that was our friend John Resnick. Go check him out on tour all year. Stream the new uh, cover they did with OAR of uh, I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. Hopefully I don't get sued by Tom Petty's misty. Uh, but it was a great interview. Great guy. Go see them on tour. Johnny, what were you just asking me? Well, we were saying let's write a song using ChatGPT in the style of somebody, and you said do a song about the debt ceiling in the style of Randy Newman. Yes. <laughs> so what do we have as far as lyrics? Can you see that? Uh, can you blow it up a little bit? Or share your screen? There. I'll, I'll just read it here. Read it off. The debt ceiling... Hold on, i got to turn Kenny down somehow. <laughs> Is that really loud? It's it's like loud enough that I can't think over it, but that's just because my brain doesn't work very well. All right, so we're using ChatGPT to write a song in the style of Randy Newman about the debt ceiling. The debt ceiling's rising higher every day. We can't ignore it. It won't just go away. (laughs) Politicians argue they fight and fuss, but it's time for them to face the trust. Chorus. We've got to pay the bills. We've got to pay the debt. We can't just living on the credit line. It's time to make some tough decisions. It's time to face the facts. We've got to deal with the debt ceiling. There's no turning back. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. Hold on, Kenny. Can you give me me like a bouncy kind of like a da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. I, it's, it's so out of time, I can't hear it. Is it really? I feel like Randy Newman is just like, didum, didum, didum. Give me, give me something. Like, it's good when you throw in like weird stuff. I feel like dead ceiling is something. How about, um, how about uh, Randy Newman writes a song about the death of Harambe? <laughs> <laughs> In my old friend Harambe. Here, I'm going to do it in the style of... Give me someone other than Randy Newman. Uh, How about Steve Miller Band? 
But again, it's like you need li- like that you won't cut Who's the style. Li- I mean, like Bob Dylan's the obvious one, but someone else other than that. How about like uh, who has like a really fucked up style? Can <laughs> do it in the style of uh, ASAP Rock or yeah, ASAP Rock. Let me try it. It might do ASAP Rocky. <laughs> Gorilla in the zoo, his name was Harambe, taking care of business like he did every day. Kids come to watch him. He was their entertainment, but little did they know it was his last arrangement. (laughs) Harambe, Harambe, why did it have to be shot down in his prime? It's a tragedy. Harambe, Harambe, rest in peace, my friend. We'll never forget you. Your memory will never end. I feel like I've seen better than this. this in the style of? That was meant to be in the style of ASAP Rocky, but like you know what I'm saying? It doesn't... Wait, Sounds can you like Billy can you, football wrote that? It, yeah. <laughs> All right, can you do uh oh my god, this is so much fun. Now I get why you nerds love this shit. Um <laughs> what would be topical here? Like, write a eulogy for my friend Colin. Isn't even a song. Where no no, like where describing how no one liked him oh, man in the style of james joyce oh my god <laughs> let's see what you got sometimes you the, you um write things and it won't answer you just cuz it's meant it's offensive like if you try anything like super political or super like topical, I won't do it. As I stand here to bid farewell, Colin, I cannot help but think of the complex character that he w- was. In life, he was a man who struggled to find acceptance in the eyes of his peers. He was always an outsider, a man apart, a lonely figure who sought solace in solitude. Colin lived in a world of his own creation, a place where he felt safe, but where others struggled to follow him. For all his flaws, there was a deep sense of, sin- sense of sincerity in Colin's being. He never pretended to be anyone else. I- this is not offensive enough. In death, Colin Colin leaves behind a legacy of isolation, a life lived on the periphery of society. Can you write a song about Johnny's micro-penis in the style of Colin Budney? (laughs) (laughs) I typed that. It said, who's Colin Budney? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Let's go into on the list, off the list. Uh, Johnny, why don't you start? Who's on your list? Um, Everyone that's so upset about blue checks on Twitter on both sides of it. Who cares? I don't care, but I'm happy the backstage still has its fucking check mark because I wanted one and we got it now. And yeah, now I mean, we... there's some benefits to it now. Like you can post long form videos and everything. Yeah, and also we can look down on all the plebes who don't have it. Nah, I, I feel like it's mostly plebes that have got it now. Yeah, it is all. <laughs> Yo, I got, I, I got no less than 35 invites to that new Twitter, Blue Sky. Uh, new Blue Twitter. Sky. Yeah, Blue Sky. It, well, it's supposed to be like a decentralized platform, so like there is no private company that can pick and choose. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I know, right? You know what I mean? But you're like, okay, but it's funded by Twitter? Sure. Yeah. There Why are decentralized social networks like that that are actually, like they're basically blockchain central uh, social networks. Where 4chan? No, center. no, no, like block, like literally where there's no... There's no company you can yeah. go after or like that, that can censor in any way. Dude, why don't we just try and get huge on the darkest corners of the internet? Like, let's just go to the darkest corners of Reddit and just post this, and that's it. I don't think you actually want to go down that. The darkest corners of the internet are too dark even to imagine. Dark web, baby. 
<laughs> the official podcast of January 6th, part two. <laughs> what do you think, boys? Day six See, if podcast. you think that's the darkest part of the web, like, you need to imagine worse. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, the, yeah. the internet is a, a can be a horrific place. <laughs> yeah, it is every day. Yeah. Uh, Kenny, who's on your list? To be honest, I didn't prepare for any of this, but now that we're talking about this, yo, the internet is on my list. Every day, I find the most ridiculous, incredible videos, and I always tell myself, man, the internet's a hell of a place. <laughs> have you, have you, uh, like, has your algorithm changed at all recently? Because I keep getting fed videos of one specific thing, and I've been enjoying myself so much. Um, I, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I get a lot of videos these days of, how do I say, mentally handicapped persons <laughs> doing parkour at playgrounds. <laughs> That's what my feed is. A lot of, them. but listen, I like a lot of them. So I mean, maybe I'm supporting. You know, it's a lot of uh, a lot of. What? <laughs> all my videos are fart videos. That's all really? it is. Really? All it is is part videos. Mine has become pictures of recording studios, funny movie lines. Oh, yeah. and then that AI of the guy who puts Arnold Schwarzenegger in every movie. And today <laughs> I saw one of him doing Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh and it's, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger as Ferris, and it's the funniest shit. Anyways, the internet's on the list because it's a hell of a place, man. God damn. Dante, who's on your list, buddy? I'm going to go with Doctor's. Yeah, pretty, deserve- pretty, pretty amazing things they can do. How many yeah. procedures have you d- had done thus far? Uh, two. What did they do? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> but, just- uh, the difference in before and after is just unbelievable. And not even talking about like the medicine and, and, uh, drugs and all that. Just like, it's unbelievable they're just like the smartest people on the planet and they do it every day and I just can't imagine going to work and doing stuff like that every day i'm curious right, so- if like face off is a real thing like did they offer you mm. the chance to swap faces with somebody <laughs> my friends my friends from college have like just a vicious vicious group chat with me and yeah great they were talking this week about doing like a reveal yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean like Caster Troy, yes. being like under, <laughs> under, under the, under the gauze. Oh my God, Caster Troy, that's so good. I want to take his face. We oh. yeah, dude. I wish it would have, un- and it would have been Beetlejuice from, uh, from uh, Howard Stern. Yeah, from Howard Stern. Yo, that meme that's going around. Oh my God, is dude. incredible, dude. Incredible. What are you oh. doing? Nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. fucking fantastic. Uh, my on the list. I'm going to go with espresso martinis. And I know this is like slightly played out, but I love espresso martinis. And I had a really good one in New York the other day. There's nothing to me like Dante, you can appreciate this too. Cause you're in the industry, like a well done cocktail. Like when you, when you order something and you like, you're not getting a dog shit version of it, you're getting a pure, really good handcrafted version of something is a magical thing. And I had a, just a fantastic, it was like a black espresso martini, perfect amount of foam on the top three beans. It was fucking gorgeous. I like a good a good cocktail, man. Espresso martini. Yo, I like cocktail a good cocktail. I've been doing it with tequila now. Everybody's been doing that. Yeah, what? they're uh, they're better, believe it or not. 
let's have a conversation here, and this is a real thing I want to know. What's your tequila of choice? Don Julio. Don Julio, Reposado or Blanco? Uh, You're an Inejo guy, aren't you? You are an Inejo guy. Inejo. Kenny, do you not drink? Uh, not anymore, man. You know what I mean? I I, uh, I found Jesus, and I no longer partake in the sins of the devil. Did you quit I drinking, or that. you just don't like it I anymore? I heard that about you. Yeah. yeah. No, I quit drinking. I uh, Not because I had any – it's a long fucking story, but I'm Asian. A lot of Asians can't break down the alcohol en- enzyme, so we get that oh. red glow. But from high school, keg parties, all the way up through touring, I drank nonstop. Then – when we took our first break from touring after that first record cycle, I took a year off drinking. And then when we came back and I started drinking again, I immediately started getting allergic reactions and feeling sick. And I was like, fuck it. I guess I'm a weed guy now. So it has nothing to do with the problem and issue or morals. It's just more, I couldn't do it anymore. To be honest, I've never, I, I drink socially, but you're never going to catch me by myself having a, having a drink. I just you don't. You know what? I became being in a touring successful band as a non drinker. I got good at hanging out at bars and not drinking or being a man and asking for mocktails. You know what I mean? Yeah, fuck it. I was like, I, yo, I, can you make me something like fruity and dope? Dude, and they're like, I this, got you, man. This, first of all, my favorite mes- uh, tequila is mezcal. Yeah. Is that really tequila, fuck? though? It's it's yeah, like I mean, tequila's fucked up cousin. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's just like smoke here. To yeah. me, I don't know. I prefer Moscow it. mules, man, and mezcal when, mules. When yeah. I try and explain to people like who don't drink mezcal, like what it is, I say mezcal is the tequila with scotches to whiskey. It's in yeah. the same family, but it's got this. It's a far more like fl- like profile front kind of a thing to where you're gonna get punched in the face by mezcal if you're not expecting it. Yeah, I do like mezcal. Um, have dude, this there's a whole movement starting to happen of like temperance, you know, like not drinking. And from an investment standpoint, it feels like a good thing to jump on and like get into non-alcoholic beers and cocktails and that sort of thing. And then from another perspective, I think it's I think it might be a bad thing. Whenever you try and take vices and make them good things, you like pollute the good things. It's like just let vices be vices and let right. good things be good things. Like just drink water or juice. If like yeah. trying to make everything now like non-alcoholic it's like with with the fake meat shit like i'm vegetarian i've been vegetarian my whole life with all the fake uh beyond burgers and impossible burgers and shit like that it's just like fucking let meat be meat and don't eat meat if you don't want to eat meat like i feel you you, i feel you with the same shit on weed Weed oh yeah dude but now it's like this one has two to one cbd four to one cbd tough to one thc cbd not just that in texas here it's all that delta nine where delta nine the one thing that's technically legal it's like dude you're making everything worse just grow a plant and smoke it. right exactly yeah exactly which is crazy because the delta stuff is derived from hemp and hemp technically isn't illegal so that's how they get around right yeah they're getting around you there's there are a ton of quote weed stores in texas here that sell deltas, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's like, why? <laughs> Who's off your list today, Johnny? You said you already had one, didn't you? Uh, off my list? I forget what I said. I didn't do it on my list. Oh, no, it was oh. Dante who had off the list. Yeah. It was Dave. No, you, you did do it on the list. Uh, on, oh, you did I haven't the... done on the list. I've done off the list. Who's on your I, list? Uh, 80s songs. Yeah. Like my, we've been working on some covers of uh, a couple of different 80s songs. Like, dude. They knew how to write pop songs back then. Do you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like complex, yet not like too heady. But like like Tears for Fears. We're working on a cover of oh. Mad World. Oh, right I was now. gonna say if you if you're doing a cover of Everyone Wants to Rule the World, I would throw my computer out the window. 
That's no, an no, amazing we're doing song. Mad World, but not I know, like but the everybody Donnie Darko on Earth, version. Every single band that's ever been a band has covered that fucking song, and it pisses me off whenever I hear another band play that. Kenny, we would do it so much better. You know that, dude. I wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> it's like, be more creative. Pick something else. Fuck. Even as uh, oh, we're doing Hallelujah, how about that? That's that's better though. You know what I mean? No, like, no, we're not actually doing that. But I'm saying like that one to me. You is should do Dancing Queen. Versions. By yeah, Abba, do uh, which is one of the idea. only songs that starts with a pre-chorus talking about '80s fucking like just songwriting shit. Like, it was the '70s, cool. but that's okay. That's no, yeah, like 70s, every right? era's got great things, but just when you delve into the '80s and you, there's just so many great songs. Peter that have Gabriel, stood the test of time. Yeah, Peter Gabriel. So in general, is just uh fucking in your eyes is one of my favorite songs of all time. Christopher I know that's Cross. Great. Oh man. Let's go, baby. Oh, it's one of the best. Fuck, fly like the wind. It does make me laugh. We did used to cover that song, actually. I watched a video the other day of uh, the Who performing in the '80s, and it made me laugh so hard because when you look at videos of them in the '60s and '70s, and there are these like frilly outfits and like the mod style, and then they were performing a concert in the '80s, and they all they all were dressed exactly like the Clash. And these just remind you that people have been cha- like chasing trends forever, and it makes me laugh so fucking hard. Yeah, it's something to me in terms of like seeing different eras in their current era. When I see dudes like punk dudes still in their fifties wearing it, there's some exceptions. There's some people that still are punk and like pull it off. But when I see a dude with like <laughs> the whole outfit it's I just i can't help but look at it and think it just looks like cosplay it's you look same, at the dude. that's the same shit with um 80s hair metal guys yeah, the oh, fucking yeah no, haircuts that, I mean, today like all the same fucking haircuts they all have that same fucking 80s like look at brian may and shit you're like yo cut your fucking hair bitch i like when you look at you like rob halford from uh judas priest is still rocking the leather and shit that's, that dude's the man he's the fucking man I mean, he, yeah, he's like, he was, it was a costume to begin with. Yeah. So it's, it feels more honest. I'm talking about like, you you know, the dudes I'm talking about that it's like, I, I just can't picture waking up every month. Not that I'm some fucking fashion icon. I'm, <laughs> icon, I'm the opposite of that. I'm wearing a fucking fitness t-shirt. That's a dumb t-shirt. <laughs> I've been giving away it. all. It's the actually rest one of the, of the nicest merch. T-shirts I've got. I appreciate it, Kenny. Dude, I'm giving away all of my fitness merch. It's incredible. I have boxes of it. <laughs> Yeah, just roll through the streets of LA and shoot it out of a t-shirt cannon in your car. That'd be so sick. Just start hitting the homeless with it, dude. That'd be so sick. Yo, Yo clothe all the homeless of Los Angeles with fitness t-shirts. I can't see that backfiring. In a I wanted to make a record like narcissist clothes of homeless people in his own merch. Dude, that's like your out of snow African child moment. I wrote a song once called "Tax the Poor, Fuck the Homeless." <laughs> <laughs> we need to put that out uh kenny who's off your list uh off my list uh are remixes i fucking actually had this conversation with johnny not too long ago i fucking hate doing remixes for people because in my experience most of the people i do remixes for they they wrote the song they have the song they know the song the song is ingrained in their brain so anything you do differently is going to be a judgment compared to that even when it's a completely different vision for that remix mm-hmm. so it's i don't know i just i've been doing a lot of remixes lately and i 
I kind of fucking hate them a lot. Have you been getting back notes where people like like, oh, we want this back and like basically? Yeah, they're like, yo, we want the yeah. original. They're like, yeah, we want to use this or like, hmm, the vocals don't seem like they fit there or this, this, and that. You're like, yo, you paid me to do my take of you that song, so but now you're telling me how I should do my take. Like, what's the point of the fucking remix? I just fucking hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I, I I have to bring this. I just got a DM. From a guy I really like who manages a band who's asking me to help him get openers for a Philly show. Dude, Kenny, if this name wasn't on your list already, it should be. The name of the band is Post Sex Nachos. It's a great band name. That's it's a, a great that's a fucking band one. name. It's not offensive enough, though. Shout out Post Sex Nachos, dude. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> on my list. Uh, <laughs> Dante, who's off your list? Fists. <laughs> Rhode Island. Sorry, I don't mute. I already said uh, White Sox Dave. Oh, oh right. yeah. Further pending. Probably next week, too. <laughs> this man. This man. Kid sucks. He, he just shows up when he feels like it. He's always got time to ask me if I'm available to be on the dozen, but he can't come to his own podcast. I've never seen no. somebody bail. He's, on these Chicago, you have no idea how busy these Chicago guys are. <laughs> <laughs> They're the bu- busiest people you ever met that have like four or five hours of work a day. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Dave. I feel like Dave has been off the podcast more than he's been on the podcast recently. Yeah, he's out. He's checked out. Let's beat his ass, dude. I don't think I I'm could. not. I'm not on that. I'm not yeah. on that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't condone that. Oh, man. No. All right. Then, Kenny, you do it. What, beat Dave's ass? Yeah. Oh, piece of cake, man. I'm a brown if, piece of trash from Florida. You don't got to ask me twice. I think that if any of us could beat White Sox Dave's ass, it'd be Kenny. Yo, I know karate. I took karate lessons online. <laughs> can, you, can you just hit Dave with, like, the fucking Kill Bill, like, six-inch punch just to the chest? Yo, I heard somebody say on dude? Call of Duty the other night. So, like, you know, Call of Duty is the most toxic chat in the whole world. I'll fuck you up. Fuck you, bitch. I'll beat your ass. And this one guy goes, bitch, you won't beat my ass. I took karate lessons online. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, man. Uh, my off the list is the city of New York. I don't care how many times I've been there. I still hate it. I don't. I just don't get it. What do you mean you hate it? I hate it. And what? Like what? What do you hate about New eh. York? Eh. Eh. I, it just, I, I, I can't. What do you like about New York? Well, it depends in what context you're asking. Like, I don't, I don't think I would want to live there, but as a city to visit or spend like a few weeks in, it's dude. It's like it is one of the best cities in the world. I mean, I haven't been post pandemic, so I don't know if it's like changed a shitload, but it's a fucking legendary city for good reason. New York is so far up New York's ass because it's New York that it just bothers me. But you're maybe you're where where. What part of town were you in? And you were with like label people. Like they I've done Manhattan. label New York, and that's kind of annoying. Yeah, everyone is fucking snooty. To be fair, we also were in four fucking meetings in four hours, and I hadn't eaten all day, so I was a little crabby. You uh, hate working, like, Colin. You don't hate New York. You hate working. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love New York. Huff my dick, Johnny. Colin, this is going to be one of those conversations my mom texts me about the next day and says. That guy on your podcast with the accent, does he not like you? And I, <laughs> my mom's asking mom to quit listening to this fucking podcast. You know she sees I mean? clips, man. She sees clips. I don't want my mom listening to this shit. Uh, and I'll be like, no, mom, he's 
he's fucking around. It should be like, all right. Yeah, I got a sure. lot, a lot. Wait, are you, has lot. your mom actually said that about me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, she says about all you guys. Be like, you know, they're mean to you sometimes. I'm like, I know, mom. It's part of the, the joke. It's a, it's a podcast. If we were all like holding hands all the time, it would be a really boring fucking show. Tell your mom I think it's really brave that she raised you and didn't like put you up for adoption. <laughs> Who said she didn't try? You know how many nights I woke up screaming because my mom had a pillow over my face trying to smother me? <laughs> Clip that. My, da- my daily routine nowadays, I wake up screaming. And then I cry for a while. I go back to bed. I wake back up, talk to you guys, sit in a dark room, read, go to bed. That's how I live. I, I like this. This is actually an angle. I feel like we need a segment like this each week. I wake up screaming. Yeah, like a truth, uh, a real confession from Colin. That's not it. That's not at all how I live my life. I no, live you in a. Wake up and go. Let's go, everyone! I'm excited. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> Fuck you, man. All right, I think that's the podcast for this week. Thank you, yeah. Johnny Resnick, for being on. Uh, next week, I'm not exactly sure what the schedule is. I'm sure we'll pull something wild out of our ass. We have a lot of interviews coming up. Butt rock, ladies and gentlemen, let's go. Coming on next week. I don't know, there's a lot of shit going on. Welcome back, Dante. Alright, this needs to fucking end. Then we've had enough of this bullshit. I want both terrible things to happen to you guys. Bye, Dante. Alright, see you guys. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you guys next week. Fuck you guys, we love you.